Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just in general, uh, thank you to all of our listeners. There's so many of you, and um, I hear from many of you through email and uh, calling the office. Uh, so thank you. Thank We have people from all over you know. Uh, we even had people from Venezuela letting me know they were listening. But uh, just today, special shout out to uh, Dave and Antonina down in Louisiana, to Becky in Nashville, and to Lori in Toledo, Ohio. Thank you all for listening. Today I'm going to talk to you about the Mass. This is the source and summit of all life, is the holy sacrifice of the Mass, where God is made present on the altar in a substantial way body, blood, soul, and divinity. So this is the most important thing that will happen on the planet today. Did you know that? Did you know this is more important than any of the meetings that President Biden's taking today? This is more important than uh, all the surgeries taking place in the hospitals today? And, the, you know, that those are good things, but they can't compare to God coming down to earth in his very body and blood and giving himself to us through the Mass. So the most important building in your city, in your town, is your church. It's more important than the police stations, than the fire stations, than the hospitals, than the, court de, uh, the county courthouse. All of those you know, do good work, but none of them can forgive sins, and none of them can make God present. So your church, the Catholic Church, is the most important building in your city. And you should know that, and you should respect that fact. So when you drive by your Catholic church, you should make the sign of the cross, make, honoring Jesus who is present in the tabernacle. Many years ago, uh, when I was younger, um, you, you could go to any Catholic church, I would say in the world, and uh, they always, the Mass was always said the same way, particularly before Vatican II. Before Vatican II, the Mass was identical in every church around the world. It was all said in Latin. Everybody knew the parts. And you could go to church in the middle of New York City, or you could go to church in the middle of the Fiji Islands, or you could go to church in uh, Munich, Germany, and it's the same Mass. And there's something very comforting in that, in that you come to uh, rely on the sacred tradition. You know it. It's always the same. But things have changed dramatically because uh, there was a lot of freedom left up to pastors to uh, implement certain ways they could celebrate the Mass. So let me, just so people understand the truth about what is to be done, certain things, uh, there are, there's even options in the Mass that you can, you can celebrate. So for one, we're in ordinary time right now. You'll notice that by the priest wearing the color green. During ordinary time, if there's no prescribed feast day or memorial, 
the priest has the option of celebrating what is called votive masses. Uh, so you can choose to celebrate a mass of the, like yesterday we celebrated the mass of the holy angels. You could celebrate a mass of the holy apostles. On Thursday during ordinary time, I like to celebrate a mass of the precious blood or the holy Eucharist because that's the day it was instituted. On Fridays in ordinary time, we typically celebrate a mass uh, of the holy cross or a mass of the precious blood. Um because of Jesus dying on a Friday. And Saturday is typically reserved for the Blessed Mother. So there's options we have, and the, <coughs> which means if you go to my church yesterday, there was a Mass of the Holy Angels. Uh, <coughs> up in Nashville, I'm sure there were many Masses of just uh, the Sunday Mass we just celebrated can be repeated throughout the week if there's no particular memorial. So there's also many... Uh, topics you can have masses said for so there's a a pass a mass of peace and justice so you can the mass could be somewhat different depending on where you go based on the uh mass parts would be different the readings should be the same although there's options for that too so for example today is the feast of saint henry so there's the mass readings for uh what's today, Wednesday, in the 14th week of Ordinary Time, but you could also have optional readings for St. Henry. So the readings could change, which means the antiphons would change, which means uh, what you're hearing and the basis of the homily could be very different than what another church is celebrating today. However, certain things never change. So the Eucharistic prayers, of which there's four main ones, those you will hear at every Mass. And by the way, there's Mass every day of the year, except one day. The one day we do not have a Mass is on Good Friday, where there's a memorial service and a veneration of the Holy Cross. So there's these slight things that can be changed. There's also parts of the Mass that the priest has the option of omitting. So you may have noticed that some Masses during the week, Father uh, doesn't do the prayers of intercession. Those can be omitted. You might also notice that uh, the sign of peace the kiss of peace is can be omitted, and that makes it that doesn't change the validity of the mass at all. Uh, in fact, during COVID, that was pretty common. Nobody was doing the sign of peace, the kiss of peace. So those things are options the priest may do or not do. The priest also has the option of facing the people, which is what most priests are doing these days, or he can face uh, what we call east or uh, the tabernacle and celebrate Mass uh, facing with his back to the people. That is a valid way to celebrate Mass. It's in the Roman Missal. If a priest celebrates Mass that way, you shouldn't think he's not doing things right. He's actually doing things perfectly right. The priest can also celebrate the Mass in Latin, not the extraordinary form, unless you have permission from your bishop, who I think now needs permission from the Pope. That's that's a different form of liturgy. The Novus Ordo, or the New Mass, can be celebrated in English or the vernacular of the church, which is Latin. So the first language of the church is still Latin. Did you know that? Some people get so upset if we do the, the Agnus Dei instead of saying Lamb of God. Uh, I don't understand why you would be upset. That's been the way most of your favorite saints celebrated Mass throughout the two millennia. The church has been existence. So if you love St. Therese of Lisieux, or if you love uh, 
John Vianney or if you love uh, St. Henry today, St. Henry Feast, uh, they all celebrated the Mass in Latin. So the saintly Agnus Dei would have been commonplace for them. So just feel like you're getting lockstep with your favorite saint in heaven. It's only since uh, 1965-ish or so for that we have now, and really it didn't, I don't think it got promulgated to the early 70s, but anyway, after Vatican II, the priests could celebrate Mass in the local language of the country where they resided. Uh, so that's a new thing. Uh, so let's just go through some of the things because I think what people don't understand is that everything to do something the right way, the proper way is the best way. Cause you know, if this is the way the Lord has uh, guided the church in setting up and establishing this most sacred form of worship, which is the mass, then we should really try to do it well. The first thing, uh, I could say about this is um, the people in the pews, the laity, they're supposed to be actively participating. So active participation. From the very beginning, what I've noticed that many people do not respond to the mass parts, like the Lord be with you and with your spirit. You're supposed to be engaged, the whole person. So that means the soul, the spirit, and the body. That's the whole person. So uh, you should be responding to the mass parts. Now, some people say, I can't sing well. It doesn't matter. Respond anyway. You know, um, the Our Father is supposed to be prayed by the whole church. Um, and so on and so forth. All these parts that you're supposed to be responding to. You should also be aware and be attentive to the readings. Very attentive to the readings. If you've ever heard me talk about Catalina Rivas, the mystic from, I believe, Bolivia, uh, she's still alive, and she basically survives on the Eucharist alone. She goes for periods of months and months and months with no food, just the Eucharist, and she has the stigmata. Uh, but she's had apparitions of Our Lady, and during one such apparition, Our Lady said this to her. Listen carefully. I want you to be attentive to the readings and to all of the homily of the priest. Remember that the Bible says that the word of God does not return without bearing fruit. If you are attentive, something from all that you heard will remain in you. You should try to recall all day long those words that left an impression on you. Sometimes it may be two verses, other times the reading of the entire gospel, or perhaps only one word. Savor them for the rest of the day, and it will then become part of you because that is the way to change one's life, by allowing the Word of God to transform you. Those are very wise words from the Queen uh, uh, Lady Seat of Wisdom. Um, and if you don't want to take it from her, that's that's basic teaching of the Church, you know. So we should be attentive. We should be letting the Word permeate our heart. That's scriptural as well. Um, and in order to do that, you have to you have to pay attention. You know, masses these days, if you go to a daily mass, it's probably 30 minutes. So it's not its not a tremendous strain to pay attention for, for that long. Uh, Sunday might be a little longer because of uh, larger numbers of people, maybe an hour. Uh, in my church, when we, we have communion, the communion takes probably, that's the longest part of the mass is, is ministering the communion to the people. But then we have a very long time to sit after we receive communion and pray 
without music. There's silence after the music ends. Uh, and that's proper too. There's supposed to be moments of silence in the Mass. You may never ever heard that either. So there's all sorts of things we should be doing. Uh, I think, uh, let's start at the beginning. Get to church early. Get to church early. Come and at least five to ten minutes have time to sit and pray and prepare your 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 whole person to receive Jesus and the Mass, both the Word and the Eucharist. That's important because if this is the most important thing that's happening today, you want to treat it that way, and to do so, you would get there early. Um, I've had parents tell me, you know, it's just so hard getting all the kids together and out the door. Yeah, I understand that, but we wake them up a half hour earlier. You know, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. Because if you had to get them to uh, a wedding, if you had to get them to a, a funeral, uh, you would be on time because you realize it's that important. Well, the Mass is that important too. Next, uh, please put on clothing that shows respect for Jesus Christ. Put on clothing that shows respect for Jesus Christ. Uh, don't come dressed for a picnic. Uh, this is very trendy down in the South, I've noticed. Uh, a lot of people come with shorts, a t-shirt, and flip-flops. Well, that's how most people go to the beach, you know? You're not going to the beach. And most churches have air conditioning these days. I mean, if you don't, then, you know, offer it up. But... You know, you can buy a lightweight linen trouser that goes to the floor that's not going to cause you to get any hotter uh, than a pair of shorts. It's basically a very lightweight, breathable fabric. You can do that. But you should get dressed, and it teaches your children this is something different. This is different than going to the grocery or Walmart or the beach. And if you take some healthy pride in your appearance, and your children's too, because you could you can make this, this is a preparation. You know, the priest has prayers we pray when we vest, when we get dressed for the Mass. And we're basically recalling uh, the great gift the Mass is in these prayers. We're praying for purity, and we're praying for um, to pray the Mass well. Uh, when, when you get your children ready, you can say, we're going to go, we're getting ready to go see Jesus and Blessed Mother's going to be there because she's with him uh, at the Mass and so are the angels and saints. So we want to we want to put our best foot out there and get dressed nicely. Children pretty much will do what you tell them to do uh, as long as uh, you make it sound like it's something exciting. And if they see you getting dressed, they'll want to be dressed. So that's the first thing. When you come into the church, hopefully by now, people have put the holy water back in the fonts. Um, you know, I realize the obsession with hand sanitizer, but, you know, as an exorcist, I just want to tell you, hand sanitizer doesn't drive out any demons. So keep your holy water. If, you're, if your church doesn't have holy water, you can bring a bottle of holy water, your own holy water, and just keep it in your pocket or in your purse. And uh, when you enter the church, you make the sign of the cross by dipping your hand in the holy water. Why do we do that? Well, I'll tell you, there's three main reasons. One, in repentance for your sins. In repentance for your sins. Uh, second, it's for protection against the evil one. And third, you're invoking the Trinity when you make the sign of the cross, and it's to remind you of your baptism, the waters of baptism. 
Uh, all those things should be on your heart and mind when you enter the church. I know sometimes if you have a big family, a lot of kids, it's hard to be focused, but that's another teachable moment. You can teach your kids that. Your, if your kids know those three things, they probably are in the top 2% of the church. I bet you 98% of the church does not know that's why we do that, dip our hands in the holy water, make the sign of the cross. The holy water reminds us to be sorry for our sins, right? There's a rite of sprinkling that occurs in the liturgy on occasion. It's called asparagus, which means you will sprinkle or wash. Uh, and these are the words that come out of the penitential psalm, Psalm number 50. You will sprinkle me with hyssop and I shall be cleansed. You will wash me and I shall be made whiter than snow. Um, I think in... Uh, most Bibles that are used in the Catholic Church, that would be Psalm 51. This is an ongoing issue. The Psalm numbers get mixed up on occasion, uh, but it is Psalm 51. We pray that every Friday in the Liturgy of the Hours, for some reason in certain rites that the, the numbers are off by one. But anyway, Psalm 51, if you're in the, in the have a Bible that's a Catholic Bible. Uh, anyway, so that's why we do that. And uh, it is a sacramental. So there's, if your priest is worth his weight in salt, he's using the, the long form to make the holy water with the exorcism salt. And uh, in that uh, rite of making the holy water, there's a prayer that says, O God, creator of unconquered power, king of of an invincible empire and victor ever glorious who put down the powers of hostile dominion and conquered the fury of the roaring enemy who fight powerfully against our wicked foes. Trembling we beseech you, O Lord, we implore you and beg you that you might graciously look upon this creature of water and salt and kindly illumine it, sanctify it with the dew of your love so that wherever it is sprinkled through the invocation of your holy name every infestation of the unclean spirit be cast out and the terror of the poisonous serpent be driven away and may the presence of the holy spirit deign to be with us always we who implore your mercy amen that's a powerful prayer and it's an exorcism prayer and it that water carries uh, power for those who believe. Faith is critical in the use of sac sacramentals, both the faith of the priest who makes it and the faith of the recipient who uses it. Okay, so you're entering the church. You should then go find a, a pew to sit down in and kneel down. Well, first you genuflect. We genuflect when we enter and leave the presence of Jesus in the tabernacle. So, uh, if it's a Catholic church and it's not Good Friday, there will be the presence of Jesus in the tabernacle. So, you would genuflect to the tabernacle and then take your place in a pew, and then you can kneel down and begin uh, making a prayer of thanksgiving for being there and being able to receive the sacrament. And then you can also offer up to Jesus anything on your heart that you'd like to offer the Mass for. You get to pick an intention for the Mass. The priest has his own intention, which uh, sometimes he'll let you know in the uh, uh, prayers of intercession. But uh, you also get to have an intention. And again, that woman, Catalina Rivas, down in Bolivia, Our Lady revealed to her that uh, during the uh, 
the giving when the gifts are brought up and i know these days post covid most gifts are already up at the altar but it's the offertory time of the mass that's what we call it the offertory um all the guardian angels in the church get up and they're all sitting next to you in the pew and they all go out into the aisle and they bring up your uh intention for the mass and they line up in a specific order uh the first, the angels at the front of the line are the ones with the biggest intentions and the most prayerful intentions. And then come the medium-sized intentions. Uh, and then at the back are the small intentions. And behind them are people, are the angels whose people did not bring an intention to the Mass or are uh, attending the Mass without being actively participating. So they have, they're just they're dragged there by their spouse or by their parent. And those angels hang their heads low because they're kind of ashamed because they don't have an intention to bring up. So have an intention. Uh, and, you know, the bigger the intention, the better. Uh, not that you can't pray for grandma's gallbladder. That's fine. But imagine if you increase that and say, Lord, today, uh, send down your healing angels to every person on the planet who has any kind of gallbladder issue. That way you've just made your intention so much larger. And it would include grandma. So you're not, you're not cutting her out of the prayer. You're just extending it, making it bigger. And there's so much we can pray for these days. I mean, is there not? The list is endless, I would say. And, and the news cycle generates uh, at least two or 300 new things to pray for every single day. So have an intention. Now, during the, the Mass, we make the sign of the cross on several occasions. One is at the beginning of the Mass when the priest says, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Also at the end of the Mass, at the Gospel, uh, the priest prays a special prayer. Uh, may the Lord be in my heart and on my lips that I may proclaim the Gospel worthily and well in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. You too can pray a prayer like that. You could say something to the effect of, may the Lord purify my understanding, my speech, and my heart so that I may receive the words of the gospel well. And you can make the sign of the cross right before the priest gets up to the ambo. And we also make the sign of the cross in the rites of baptism, for anointing the sick, for exorcisms, uh, when we pray throughout the day, before grace, before meals. And we make the sign of the cross when we pray the Liturgy of the Hours, when we're praying the Benedictus or the Magnificat, these two special prayers we pray every day. So there's many times during the day we can make the sign of the cross. And why are we doing that? Because we're invoking and acknowledging the presence of the Most Holy Trinity. Uh, now, we talked about genuflecting, and that would be any when you enter the church or when you leave the church. However, the priest has a few more times. There's five times during the Mass that the priest genuflects, uh, at least. There could be even be more for some, some of the more uh, devout. Uh, you know, when we open the tabernacle, I generally will genuflect to the, the opening the door to the presence of Jesus in the tabernacle, even though he's already on the altar. Uh, but there's also times to bow, and there's more than one kind of bowing. You probably never heard this before. <clears throat> there's a simple bow of the head that we use at the name of Jesus or at the name of Mary, and I would say even at the name of Joseph. So you'll see, uh, you might see your priest doing this during Mass, uh, that any time the name Jesus is said in the Gospel or in the prayers of the Church, that your bow would be a nod, acknowledging this is the Lord and we reverence him that way. 
there's a medium bow of the head and shoulders, and this is used uh, when, say, a monk in a monastery would greet another monk, or at the sign of peace between priests. This is how the priests give the sign of peace. They give this medium nod on both sides of, of the person's head. And then there's something called the profound bow. And this is when you bend your entire body at the waist, and it should be low enough that you would be able to touch the floor. So that's a pretty profound bow. Uh, this is the bow that is used when the deacon asks the priest for the blessing before he goes to proclaim the gospel. Uh, this is the bow that would be used when a monk would ask an abbot for a blessing. Uh, and during the Liturgy of the Hours, whenever there is a glory be, that profound bow is used. Uh, also, at any doxology after the Psalms, there's usually a profound bow. So, uh, generally that wouldn't be for the lay faithful during Mass. But, anytime you cross the altar... So mass, when you're within the mass and you're crossing past the altar from right to left or left to right, we do bow to the altar. That's after we genuflect at the coming into the church. Uh, so that's just little things that we should all know. We can pick this up further tomorrow. There's much more to say. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be with you. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a wonderful day. This is Father Dan signing out.